close your eyes, nimble up those fingers, as we enter My Third Ear. Hey guys, Tamara Kohler here. Thanks for tuning in to My Third Ear on today's episode. Welcome to the tranquil and sparkly world of the Kalimba. The Kalimba is effectively a wooden board with metal prongs that stagger out called tines. The player strikes the tines with their fingernails, which allows both the tines and the wood to resonate. stems from a traditional African family of instruments called the lamellophones. And the instrument actually presents under a wide variety of names itself, including mimbira, sansa, kasanji, lekembi, thumb piano, kongoma, mimbila, kura, mumbila naji, mimbila nunga, nyunga, nahare, mapentan, nanji, sansu, kariboa, marimba, karimba, uba, and marimbula. But if it's cool with you guys, I'm just going to stick with kalimba today. These here are Africa's very special instruments. You only find them in Africa. We call them the hand piano because we haven't got a name for them. They call them, of course, likembe or mbira. As a matter of fact, they're dozens of names. This is ethnomusicologist Hugh Tracy. He's basically the father of the kalimba as we know it today. That's central Tanganyika. That's a very nice one. This little fellow here, that's... Nice land, it's got a very sweet tone. I'm actually developing, I'm actually making one myself here. This little fellow I've made myself, and you can hear. You see, the tuning is quite different. These have uh, all sorts of tunings, pentatonic tunings, five notes, six notes, seven note tunings, all different according to tribes. And they don't sound anything like ours. You see, that's quite, quite English, you might say. Now the other day reading drum magazine I'll tell you some of the things I've seen Bizarrely, the kalimba seems to have picked up a lot of its early international traction as a feature instrument in Leo Gluckman's 1962 musical review, Wait a Minim. And a little warning, some of the following content is slightly unsavoury. In its day, this South African piece was a cheeky commentary on the political and social eccentricities of Africa, openly satiricising traditional African dance, pantomimes and instruments. But by today's standard, it's fairly on PC and it would not be that openly accepted. I think the most accurate way to sum up the content from Wait a Minim is with this quote from Frank Rich's 1968 review that was published in the Harvard Crimson. 
They do everything and anything. In one sketch, medieval knights running around in cloaks, bearing the peace symbol, suddenly break into a ludicrous song about a chastity belt. Ten minutes later, a thumping South African chant turns into a wild dance accompanied by a myriad of homemade instruments. When they aren't singing, the company takes turns playing whites and blacks shooting each other. Absurdity runs rings around absurdity. Only the songs keep chaos from taking over. So that's the main riff that I then loop. Um, and I That's also... Fear, Melbourne-based pop singer, songwriter and director of the choir Melbourne Indie Voices. With the kalimba and then um, another riff when the um, chorus comes in. Do you ever think about me? I think about you. When you Google Fia's name, you're likely to find phrases such as a live looping frenzy of percussive hands, vocal beauty, and a girl toting her African kalimba, indie kalimba looping DIY art pop musician, and a girl with a kalimba, a great voice, a loop pedal, and addictive songs that make your foot stomp and your heart fly. I've got to say, I only spent a small amount of time with Fia, but in getting to know her ideas and process a little more, I'm clicking in with these sentiments. So I studied jazz um, at university. Um, I got into jazz in high school and got um, sort of very into playing the piano. So I studied piano and through, um, I went to the VCA and I got very into composition and started getting interested in um, contemporary composition and, and extended techniques for the piano and that brought me into um, interest, I started getting interested in toy instruments and simultaneously I also started writing pop songs which felt sort of like sneakily writing pop songs on the side, I'd be doing jazz gigs and then um, going away and writing a pop song at the piano and there was a few years where I was sort of doing that um, Simultaneously, It felt like I sort of had two separate careers and I wasn't quite sure how I was ever going to dedicate myself to one. And um, about six years ago, I discovered the loop pedal and kalimba and that really sort of allowed me to sort of hit the ground running a bit with bringing all of my interests in sort of... Um, s- sort of um, interesting sounds... Um, an intellectual approach to music and also songwriting and then I moved to Berlin and sort of really just dedicated myself to that um, solo um, playing and things led from there. I actually remember I was living in Richmond and you know it's always really exciting when you get a package and then I opened the package and there was this beautiful instrument. I think it was very aesthetically pleasing. And also, 
something that was so different to the piano is that when you're playing the piano, you have to sit at the piano. So it very much feels like you approach the instrument, you sit at the instrument and you're sort of at its mercy. And something that I loved about the kalimba is, is like I opened it and I picked it up and it just sort of fit perfectly in my hands. And I think I have quite reasonably small hands. And one thing I read about this particular kalimba, they actually say, oh, it's great for children because it's like fits in the hand. And I love <laughs> that because it's just like I feel like it's perfect for, for my arm size hands and you hold it and you can hear it resonate when you play so it feels so you feel so connected to it my eyes off the ball again you reel me out and then you got the string so how did you come across the kalimba well it was um i was doing a few um gigs just with my keyboard and singing my sort of folk pop songs Um, and I was supporting or a band was supporting me I can't remember they were called I think they were called Red Berry Plum and they were like an indie pop band there was about six or seven of them on stage and the keyboardist played a few instruments and one song brought out a kalimba and at that time I was as I said I was really I was also sort of getting into um, contemporary composition and sort of the use of extended techniques, like getting into the strings of the piano. And also, like, I bought a toy piano and had a glockenspiel and I was getting really interested in those sort of childlike sounds. And so he brought out the kalimba and I was like, that's so cool, I'd really like to buy one and I'll just add it to my collection of sort of interesting small instruments. And, yeah, when... So he told me I ordered it from this guy in Queensland who imports them. Um, and when it arrived, I just started playing it and totally fell in love with it. And it really superseded the piano for me. And part of that, I think, was because the range of the kalimba, I found it so much easier singing over it than the piano. I always felt for some somehow that the, the resonance of the piano or maybe just how wide the register is and the overtones it always felt like I was competing a bit and I've heard other singers sing with the piano where it's just absolutely perfect and it's like the most complimentary sound and I just never quite felt that and playing the kalimba it suddenly was like oh that allows my voice to sit on top and then there's these gorgeous sounds happening underneath and it just sort of went from there. So your latest release, So Far, So Close. Can you tell us about that song? Yeah, um, that was a song that was totally written on the kalimba. I wrote it about six months into living in Berlin. Um, In terms of the lyrical content, um, it's a very personal song. Um, It's about my grandparents on my dad's side and and about... um, their relation to me in that I moved to Berlin and that's where my grandfather was born. I'm living in the city where my grandfather was born. And my grandma was from Vienna and they moved to Australia independently. They um, 
my grandfather was Jewish and my grandma, um, her, she had a Jewish background, so they both moved. Um, they both escaped, really, and met in Melbourne. Uh, so the song was sort of about the strange sort of nostalgia of being in Germany, which, um, and that sort of German, Austro, um, Austro-German, um, sort of cultural nostalgia that I had because I saw things and heard things that were very similar to what I used to see and hear in, in their flat in Melbourne and but then also feeling like but they you know were forced to leave and so just all about sort of those feelings as um as as their granddaughter I guess um and the song itself was actually it's probably it's the song <laughs> that I wrote on the kalimba that has the most chords. It almost uses every chord that you can play on the kalimba. It's actually the first song I did on the kalimba that it also modulates. I actually have it modulate in the bridge to D minor. So the song's in sort of A minor and it's quite, it's modal obviously because of the G major um, scale. And then I modulate in the bridge to D minor, which I do through sort of um, implying and I sing the F natural rather than there's no F sharps played. Um, I was quite impressed by myself that I did that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes back to A minor. Um, so that was really me trying to push myself with what I could do with the loops um, and the kalimba. The other thing that I really like about the kalimba is because it's a piece of wood, it's basically like its own percussion instrument as well. Um, so when I've got, so I've quite a good condenser microphone when I'm performing, which is um, on the back, which is often used with violins or if you're ever needing to mic up an acoustic um, instrument like a violin or a guitar. Um, and so it turns sort of like the block of wood that's the base of the kalimba into this just beautiful um, textural percussion instrument. So I often loop myself maybe making like a bass drum sound, which um, acoustically it sounds a bit light, but when you have the mic picking up everything, it's this great sound. And so that just acoustically sounds like this. And then sometimes you can also get like a higher resonant sound and also using my nail, I'll go. And then the other sound I use is like a, it's like a brush, I was thinking it was like a brush, a drummer using a brush on a snare. So it means that I can sort of create these percussion loops that sound totally unique because no one else is really using a kalimba to make these sort of drum sounds um which then is really very inspiring to like sing and play over hi my name is kaylee and i'm a percussionist based in melbourne now, I've seen Kaylee perform, and I've also performed with her myself a bunch of times, and it never ceases to amaze me how adept all percussionists seem to be with picking up new instruments. 
I mean, that was one of the things that drew me to percussion originally was just the variety of instruments and the challenge of always having something new and interesting to learn. And the kalimba was especially fun because it's quite different to any other instrument I've played before. And it's just such a beautiful sound that, you know, those hours of practice don't feel like work at all. My parents had, now that I think back, an ornamental kalimba sitting in our house and it was more of just a decorative object that was around and I suppose I would noodle on it but I never really tried to play anything serious on it. As a percussionist you're used to having sticks in your hands most of the time and this is, you play it with your thumbs and so you have to be quite dexterous and the, the notes aren't really laid out in an order that you would think is intuitive. Once you get used to it, you're kind of like, oh yeah, sure, that note's there, but to look at it, you wouldn't have any idea where to begin. So there are some helpful diagrams that come with the piece, <laughs> with the kalimba when you buy it, that show you where the notes are. And so step one is kind of relearning where everything is. <laughs> So right now we're listening to Kaylee perform a solo work called I Ching by Danish composer Per Nurgat. The concerto and the solo work, so I Ching and For a Change, are both based on the I Ching, so the Chinese Book of Changes, and they look at kind of different states of being I suppose so the first movement is called thunder repeated and then the third movement with the kalimba is called the gentle the penetrating and it's kind of exploring the idea of something like the wind where the strength in the wind isn't necessarily a brute force it's how it can wear things down over time and kind of that image of something that's very gentle but also has a strength to it. Norgard specifies in this piece the kalimba to be placed on top of a timpano. For those of you who don't know what a timpano is, it's, it's basically a very large drum with pedals that can alternate the pitch. So anyway, the kalimba is sitting on top of the timpano along with two temple bowls. The drum kind of acts like an amplifier for the kalimba, so it helps the sound to resonate. But also, the percussionist can use the pedals on the drum to create a wavering effect in the sound. In the Norgard Concerto, he's really working with a huge, huge variety of percussion instruments, and they're drawn from all over the world. So you have the kalimba, which is obviously African in origin, but then you also have gongs from Thailand, drums from China. There's a really specific woodblock he asks for that comes from Japan. And so it's this kind of beautiful melting pot of instruments and cultures in one piece.
So traditionally, the wooden gourd on an African kalimba is rounded. However, as the popularity of the instrument has grown amongst composers and sound artists, it's more common these days to see a modernised version of the instrument which has a rectangular gourd. Most kalimbas these days also have a pickup for electronic use and as a result, heaps of artists are running sound effects through the instrument. American composer George Crumb took the kalimba to an entirely new sound world when in his Macrocosmos 3, or Music for Summer Evenings, Crumb intersected an amplified kalimba with percussion and the human voice. seventh album entitled Volta, Icelandic singer Björk experimented with using traditional African sounds and beats against more Western traditions like brass chorales. You can hear a little feature from the kalimba there in her opening track, Earth Intruders. And then we come to Mick Stewart. Mick first came across the kalimba at a local market in Broome whilst he was on a trip around Australia. He became fascinated with the instrument and began making his own. One day, he had 20 of his homemade kalimbas laid out in front of him and suddenly he thought, what if I were to play all of these instruments all together at the same time? And so, eventuated the polymba, P-O-L-Y-M-B-A. The polymba is Mick's unique adaptation of the kalimba. It's a collection of 14 kalimbi, and they're all laid out together in a wooden box. The palimba is amplified, and it's tuned in relation to each individual instrument. The most unique feature of the palimba is that it opens up the option for the instrument to modulate into a variety of keys, breaking down what Mick describes as one of the more antisocial factors of the instrument. my third ear. Thanks so much to Fear and Kaylee for jumping on the show today. They're both really stellar artists in their own rights and they're well worth checking out. Fear's music, by the way, that's P-H-I-A, is available on Bandcamp and you can check out what Kaylee's up to at kayleemelville.com. Thanks again to all of the listeners also who have subscribed on iTunes. We've got some pretty exciting things coming your way, so click that button and keep in the loop. Keep in the loop.